2: Welcome in Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show Buck with his family already as I am sure many of you are all over this fabulous country and around the world. We appreciate all of you. We are thankful to all of you. And we're going to have a fun show throughout the course of this Wednesday. Uh, Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey will join us in the third hour of the program. He is the only guest that is scheduled so far on the show. Want to be able to interact with a bunch of you. Phone lines will be open. We're going to treat this like a Friday edition of the program, as we often do. Try to take a bunch of your calls. Uh, by the way, Tudor Dixon will be in on Friday, former candidate for governor of the great state of Michigan. Uh, she is also a part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show podcast. And I'd encourage all of you to go subscribe, download that podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment as we are officially now into the holiday season. And I know many of you will be traveling all over the country and probably all around the world And so if you download the podcast and subscribe, you can take us with you wherever you may find yourself. So we've got a lot of interesting topics to get into uh, during the course of today's show. It is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I asked on the poll early this morning when I woke up whether or not you all believe that JFK was actually (coughs) killed by Lee Harvey Oswald or whether someone else was involved in uh, that shooting. I mean, the shooting itself, not potentially a larger conspiracy surrounding it. Overwhelming majorities of you, uh, 15,000 of you, I'll retweet that poll right now, uh, voted this morning in that poll for the 60th anniversary. 82% of you say that you do not believe Lee Harvey Oswald was the sole shooter that day responsible for killing jfk uh if you have stories surrounding the jfk assassination maybe share some of those today 60th anniversary we'll talk a bit more about that throughout the course of the program but that poll is up again Fifteen thousand of you have voted 82 percent are saying no you do not believe lee harvey oswald was the only shooter that day and i would argue and i'll circle back to this in a little bit uh but i would argue that the combination of the murder of John F. Kennedy and the Vietnam War represented the beginning of Americans not trusting their government. And I think that legacy continues today. And what I would argue is the biggest public policy failure of my life. I wasn't alive during Vietnam. I think it's clearly COVID and the COVID shot. And the mandates and everything that surrounded that, I think that will, for generations to come, shutting down schools, the lockdowns in general, I think feed further distrust of the United States government. But we'll talk some about it being the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. There's a good piece um, in the Wall Street Journal this morning uh, by Thomas Baker, who's a retired FBI special agent. Um And he's written about how the fall of the FBI has uh, become a threat to democracy. Uh, but he has an article about how the mistakes of 1963 led to the successes of 1981 when Ronald Reagan was shot. And since there's so much negativity out there, I will point out it is kind of remarkable when you consider how long it has been since someone has been able to shoot the president of the United States. I think if uh, if I had been doing this show in 1981 and I had told you that we would go all the way basically to 2023, two generations where no American would ever remember a bona fide assassination attempt on the president of the United States, I think many of you would have disbelieved that as in 1981 when Ronald Reagan was shot. We were coming off of uh, the, the assassination, certainly of John F. Kennedy, but also of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy in 1968 there was this idea that people in positions of prominence were regularly going to be put in peril and or assassinated and as a positive the Secret Service and everyone who was involved in helping to protect the president for two generations they have managed to do so and certainly that is a credit to them but I wanted to start today with A poll that I saw come out this morning contextualizing where exactly we are. Uh, And this is from uh, the Real Clear Politics team. If you don't go to Real Clear Politics, they do a fabulous, I think, job of distilling a variety of different opinions and data in a relatively nonpartisan manner so that you can just take an overall snapshot of what's going on in the country. And I understand a lot of you out there are going to say, oh, I don't believe the polls. Well, I can understand why you would be skeptical of any individual poll, but I do think in general the overall polling apparatus is a good picture, a snapshot of where America is right now. And where America is right now is Donald Trump has never been stronger in his entire political career, based on polling, than he is right now. Question for all of you. Is this a mirage that may well fade over the next 11 months? Or is it, as I believe, saying something far more significant, and I think there's way less movement that is likely to happen than has happened in the past, but let me give you a historical context. This is again from Real Clear Politics in on this date, November twenty second of two thousand and fifteen. When you look at the larger polling averages in the United States, Hillary Clinton had a four point four percent lead over Donald Trump. Now we all know what happened a year later in the twenty sixteen election. But Hillary Clinton, the staff can look it up and, and text me exactly. What did she win the national popular vote that year by? Like two points? One and a half points? So a year out, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump was not actually that far off from what the actual election results would be in 2016. Now, everybody expected Hillary to win that race, but on this date, one year out from the 2020, 2016 election, Hillary Clinton was up 4.4 points in all of the national political averages, and she would go on to win by around two points the national popular vote. Okay? What about the 2020 election? This is interesting. Joe Biden was not yet the nominee, but he was up 9.6 points according to the polling averages, in 2019 on Donald Trump 9.6 now this is before Biden was the nominee it was before the election had begun in earnest Trump right now November 22nd less than a year out from the election is up 2.3 points on Joe Biden and that lead actually grows more substantial when you toss RFK jr. into the mix when you toss carnell west when you put jill stein in and let me give you some of this data too in the toss-up states that is the states that we expect the election to be decided by trump is up five and a half in georgia this is an average aggregate up 4.8 in arizona up four in nevada up two in michigan up one and a half in pennsylvania and joe biden is up point seven less than one percentage point in Wisconsin those are the six traditionally considered uh toss-up states Trump has based has has built a big lead based on polling Trump would win 301 to 235 in the electoral college okay now what you are seeing is these numbers are imparting panic. In the Democrat Party, you might be wondering, OK, what are they going to do? What is their game plan as we sit here on Thanksgiving Eve? And I do think it's important to take a snapshot of where we are right as we head into Thanksgiving, because I've been making the argument. And I think it's true that it's hard to get major political movement from about now until after New Year's. A lot of people are out of the office. Kids are out of school a lot. You're planning for all the holiday-related events. Most people are not following politics on an aggressive manner. I think, again, remember January 15th is the Iowa caucus. People will come back out of their uh, New Year's Eve stupors and start paying attention, this is my thesis, again to politics around January 4th or 5th, and there'll be about 10 days to shift in terms of the Iowa caucus, which is why I've said you really needed to make a move in a big way by this time if you were going to make Iowa super competitive. Because I think it's just going to be hard to get attention in Iowa or anywhere else. I think that's why you've seen Ron DeSantis roll out the Kim Reynolds uh, endorsement, Bob Vander big uh, uh, religious leader in Iowa. I think the DeSantis team knows that. I think that's why they've tried to roll out their endorsements in advance to see if they can get some movement in politics uh, in terms of caucus. And obviously, organization is a big part. But I want you to listen to what they're trying to do. And I just think this is going to be a super, super failure. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit. But this is Missouri's former Senator Claire McCaskill. Remember, she took over for her husband after he died. She said on MSNBC, Donald Trump is more dangerous than Adolf Hitler. Listen to this cut yesterday.
6: A lot of people have tried to draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler and the use of the terminology like vermin and the the, the drive that those men had towards autocracy and dictatorship. The difference, though, I think makes Donald Trump even more dangerous, and that is he has no philosophy he believes in. He is not trying to expand the boundaries of the United States of America. He's not trying to overcome a neighborhood country like Putin is in Ukraine he is not going for some grandiose scheme of international dominance all he wants is to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president
2: I want you to think about that for a minute because I'm jotting down notes I heard this and read this earlier and I couldn't believe it I shared it on Twitter you can go watch this uh, yourself they're really gonna go back and try to rerun the same playbook from 2020 and argue that Donald Trump is Hitler. And notice what Claire McCaskill actually said there. She actually criticized Trump for not trying to expand boundaries like Putin. I I, I want you to understand how crazy this is getting. Trump is more dangerous because unlike Vladimir Putin, he's not invading neighboring countries. Trump is more dangerous than Hitler because unlike Hitler who created concentration camps and tried to eradicate Jews from the world, Trump is motivated by wanting to look in the mirror and see that he is president. They are criticizing on MSNBC Trump because he's not motivated by invading other countries and he doesn't have an underlying philosophy of eliminating another race and somehow that makes him more dangerous i don't think claire mccaskill's very smart uh can we get an open invite to claire mccaskill to come on and try to make this argument it's important to represent how lost democrats have become this woman represented missouri it's not like she represented massachusetts think about how lost they have become that As we are dealing with the greatest murder of Jewish people since the Holocaust, they are still trying to trot out the Trump is Hitler analogy, and also Trump is Mussolini, but most people don't really, I mean, most people don't even know who Mussolini is, so the Hitler is what they try to stick him with, and yet there's no evidence whatsoever of that. And why does Trump have what I think is a durable lead? He's leading right now in 12 of the 14 most recent national polls that have come out. Remember, Trump won in 16 despite losing the popular vote. If Trump were to win the popular vote, he would win a landslide. Trump could win the Electoral College and lose nationwide by a couple of points. If he were to beat Joe Biden in the national popular vote... He would be the first Republican to win the national popular vote since 2004 when George W. Bush did it. So we're not only talking about Trump winning, we're talking about him winning a relative landslide. Why is that? I think it's because Biden's the story right now. When we come back, I want to kind of focus on this. Can Biden remain the story if he can If he can, I don't think these attacks on Trump land at all. They may have worked in 16. They may have worked in 20. But Democrats are trying to run the same playbook. And I don't think it works at all. And I'll lay it out for you. Now, I'll also open up phone lines, 800-282-2882. I understand some of you don't believe the polls. And you don't believe that Trump is in as strong a position as he is. But objectively... Based on eight years of political data, Donald Trump has never been stronger in his entire political career than he is today, right now, while I'm talking to all of you. You worked hard to build your retirement savings. You deserve an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group wants to help fuel your growth. You can invest in their corporate bonds through your 401k and your IRA to start earning tax-deferred annual returns ranging from 9 to 13%. There are multiple options, different rates, terms to choose from. Phoenix Capital Group providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. You can learn more by downloading the free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. That's phxonair.com.
6: Making sense in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Sexton.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Biden White House is trying to convince you that the cost of your Thanksgiving meal is down. And it is down, a little bit, based on what last year's costs were. Uh, My father-in-law, stepfather-in-law, I guess to be more accurate, owns a meatpacking plant in Michigan. He's with us down here in Florida. And let me say, by the way, thank you to Charlie, who came in here in Panama City Beach in the iHeart Studio to be in charge of making sure that I could do the show from down here on Thanksgiving Eve. He also brought me a coffee. Fabulous guy. But I understand if a lot of you are going to say, I can't trust anything you say, Clay, because you are drinking a peppermint uh uh what is it a pep what, what am i even drinking ali what did you order me here a peppermint i think uh flavored uh coffee that is also what's the, the spicy thing that everybody gets uh for the holiday season yes that i am now drinking that so i understand if a lot of you out there are like i thought i could trust clay but now he is in the middle of drinking a pumpkin spice latte this is true I am drinking a, I want to be honest. I want to be straightforward. I don't, I don't want to hide the ball from you guys. If you're out there and you were nodding along with some of the things that I've been saying so far today, and now you just said, well, I, there it goes. I can't trust him anymore. I am, as we are going throughout the course of this show, going to be consuming a pumpkin spice latte. It's possible by the time I'm finished with this show, I will no longer have a penis. I don't know. I'm told that that can be a side effect of drinking a pumpkin spice latte. So just so you know, by the way, pretty delicious, pretty delicious coffee, I have to say. But if you're out there right now and you're driving around, Charlie just told me, he said, hey, I just went to the grocery store. I just bought $380 worth of grocery to get groceries to get ready for Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about. Things don't cost what you think they should cost based on the way they have cost over recent history. It's not your imagination. In 2019, Thanksgiving meal cost an average $49. A Thanksgiving meal now costs over $60. In fact, in the space of just a couple of years, the cost of your Thanksgiving meal has gone up 25% on average. And this is why I say so many people are missing this story. What's actually going on is, yes, inflation is starting to come back down, but inflation is forever embedded in our prices now. So every time I buy something, I think to myself, man, it, doesn't feel like it used to cost this much and it's not my imagination and it's not your imagination and that's why all this argument about Bidenomics doesn't work because the truth of the matter is all of us are paying 25% more on average for every product out there than we were paying before Joe Biden became president of the United States and so when you attribute that across the board it's not only that costs are up substantially, it's that even if you have gotten a raise, the real income in your wallet is down. You don't have as much purchasing power today as you had before Joe Biden became president of the United States. Most people out there over the past three years have not seen their wages grow as fast as the cost of everything that you are buying is growing. And I don't hear a lot of politicians making this case. I don't hear a lot of people focused on that. That is what real, everyday Americans are experiencing every time we go out and buy anything. I talk about this because I got three boys, and they're a mess, and they're expensive. Two of them are here in the studio with me right now, and they're here because they want to go to a baseball card shop as soon as we finish the show here in Panama City Beach. They cost money. It's unbelievable how much they grow, how much everything they uh, they, they, they consume, how much they can eat. Like, I feel like we have to buy a new pair of shoes every two months because their feet are growing so fast. All of you with young kids out there know what I'm talking about. And every time, we go to Chick-fil-A a lot. You can criticize me, say you shouldn't eat fast food. I get it. Chick-fil-A is amazing. Every time I go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru window with them, it's over $50. Over $50? That used to be you could go sit down at a restaurant, at an Applebee's, at a Chili's, actually have a waiter, and you wouldn't spend necessarily $50 at a meal. Now you can't even go through a drive-thru if you've got a young family like I do, and get a Chick-fil-A sandwich, some fries, and a drink for three kids, you and your wife, and get out of that drive through for under $50, that doesn't feel right. And I know a lot of you are experiencing that every time you go to the grocery store, and every time you go through the fast food drive through Things cost way more than it feels like things should cost. And that's not in your mind made up. And a lot of people out there in the media, they're like, I don't know why you don't, Bidenomics is working. This is an amazing, the economy's never, no. They're gaslighting you. They aren't experiencing what you experience. And I think about this all the time. A lot of you are going to know what I'm talking about when I say this you ever go out to a restaurant and guarantee that you're not going to buy the most expensive thing on the meal? You may be spending more than you wanted to, but I bet a huge percentage of you, you sit down at a restaurant, you look at what everything costs, and you, as part of your monetary regulation, you may be splurging to go out to that restaurant but you're not going to buy the most expensive thing on that menu. How many of you, when you sit down and look at menu costs now, are like me, and you just can't believe how much they have raised prices on everything? And here's the deal. That inflation never goes away. And that's why when people try to come back and they say, well, the inflation rate now is down to 3.2%. Yeah, it's off 3.2% compared to last year. But you really have to go back to 2019 and say, okay, how does what I'm paying in 2023 compare to what I paid before COVID? You pay 25% more on average for everything than you did before COVID. And that's because of double-digit inflation, which is embedded. Your cereal's not ever going to get cheaper again. They don't unwind the inflation they embed that cost and it exists for the rest of your life you're never going to go up back to 2019 prices and that's why i think trump is winning because ultimately and this is what i would ham this is what you know we had trump a couple of weeks ago on the show i told him off air just hammer this stuff and it gets tougher i understand i don't know that donald trump knows what a hamburger at mcdonald's used to cost Versus what it costs now when you're a billionaire. You're not really living paycheck to paycheck. When you're a former president, I don't know how often you have to pull out your credit card or pull out your wallet and give cash for anything. You'll lose a little bit of a concept of reality. That's why I think for so many people out there, having kids is a pretty good approximation of reality because they don't care what you do for a living. At this next commercial break... My kids are going to come in, and they're going to be like, Dad, how long till we can go to the baseball card shop? And be like, well, I've got two more hours in my show. And they're going to be like, oh, two more hours? Dad, they don't care what I do. Your kids don't care what you do. They have a focus of what they care about, right? Little League sports, trying to make sure you don't find out how bad they did on that most recent test. Baseball cards for my kids right now all the football games that are going to be played on Thursday and Friday and Saturday throughout, the fact that they want me to get out in the yard with them and play football, and I'm just hoping I don't tear my ACL trying to make a cut on them because they're getting bigger, stronger, and faster, and soon they're going to be better than me at all sports, but I'm not going to allow that to happen for any time soon. Real people experience this 25% increase. And it's so tone-deaf of the Biden White House on many different levels. Do you see the picture they put out? Joe Biden with his birthday cake looked like looked like he had a flamethrower on that birthday cake. I saw that picture. I couldn't believe it was real. They've lost the ability to understand what normal people experience, and every argument that they're making, even the very idea that they were somehow going to sell Bidenomics as a good thing, everybody who goes through the grocery checkout line is cursing Joe Biden in their head. Everybody that goes through a fast food drive through is cursing Joe Biden in their head. That inflation that he created by spending trillions of dollars that was completely unnecessary, and remember, Joe Biden wanted to spend way more. Only because Joe Manchin said no did we avoid potentially 15 or 20% inflation. Biden's economic decisions were disastrous and only Joe Manchin in his own party protected him from being even more of a disaster. Remember, he wanted to spend five or six trillion additional dollars. And that is still embedded forever in all of this current economic system that we're facing. And so for a lot of you out there, and I understand you're in the primary season right now and you're fired up. And if you're a DeSantis person, I like Ron DeSantis, I like Nikki Haley. We're gonna have Chris Christie on in the third hour of the program. I think all of these guys and gals would be better than Joe Biden. But if you're out there right now and you are fired up, you're like, You're not giving DeSantis enough credit. You're not giving Nikki Haley enough credit. I hate Trump. Clay, how come you don't how come you don't point out that Trump could never win? I think Trump could win a landslide. If the election were right now, this day, Trump would win, I believe, over 300 electoral votes. And I think Nikki Haley would, and Ron DeSantis would, and Vivek Ramaswamy all would. Why? Because Biden is the story. It ain't about who the Republicans are going to pick. My concern is that Trump is not going to be able to get out of the way. Biden's on fire. My concern is Trump is going to stumble into him and they're both going to end up on fire and then we're just going to have a total mess. Like when two drunk people fight, you ever watch drunk people fight? You don't have any idea what's going to happen, right? Drunk guy's going to throw a huge haymaker. Biden is super drunk right now. He's just stumbling around. He's got no idea where he is. He's in a fight. He's going to pull it down. You know, how the drunk guy like throws a punch all the way from his foot. You ever watch a drunk guy throw a punch? He doesn't like stand like a normal person would. He's so wobbly. He brings his fist all the way from like his foot and he throws this slow looping haymaker. And if you have any ability at all to avoid a punch, you dodge a drunk guy's punch. But if two drunk guys are fighting, Every now and then the other drunk guy gets caught by the drunk guy's punch. That's my concern about what might happen in the Trump Biden fight is that Trump gets in there close and somehow Biden catches him with a haymaker. Otherwise, if Trump just stays out of the way, Biden's going to throw that punch and knock himself out on the bar stool. He's beaten Democrats deep down know it. And their only response is to try to say Trump is Hitler. And guess what? That doesn't work very well. It's a boy who cried wolf. That's why I think right now Trump would win a landslide. I think reasonable, rational people are all recognizing that that game plan ain't working. And it's going to not only not work, I think it's going to blow up in the Democrat Party's face. I'll take some of your calls. But in the meantime, take a page from Smart Holiday Shoppers. Shop now, not a month from now. By then, it's going to be too late. Trust me. Legacy Box, I told you, I've confessed. There's a lot of days I've been out there, December 23rd, December 24th, trying to figure out what presents to buy. Don't make that decision. Tomorrow's Black Friday. Sorry, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. The day after that is Black Friday. You could blow everybody's mind by taking care of all your Christmas shopping by right now going to LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Just go there, especially if you're a guy and you always make a bad decision on holiday presents. I know that's a lot of you. LegacyBox.com slash Clay, 65% off right now with their Black Friday sale. You can get hooked up in a major way with preserving your family's memories forever. All those old VHS tapes, all those old photographs, all those old camcorders, preserved forever digitally. You get back your originals, and you are the family hero. Trust me. Go check it out today, 65% off LegacyBox.com. Slash /clay
6: You know them as conservative radio hosts. Now just get to know them as guys on the Sunday Hang podcast with Clay and Buck. Find it in their podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
2: Welcome in, hour number two, Thanksgiving Eve edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck is already with his family. He'll be back with me on Monday on this program. I hope that all of you who are out and about traveling are managing to do so safely. Uh, I flagged this in the morning. TSA estimates it'll screen around 30 million passengers over the Thanksgiving holiday Uh, A record 55.4 million people expected to travel 50 miles or more between tomorrow and Sunday. Um, and let's see, the busiest day of all expected to be today and then Sunday. And uh, so many of you, like me, are going to be on the road, like Buck, and we hope that all of you will stay safe and manage to reach your family and have a fabulous time tomorrow and throughout the holiday weekend. And we also know that many of you are going to be out there working because you work on the holidays. Certainly, I have done that in the past, and I know many of you will be doing so as well. We thank you for working uh particularly truck drivers who are out there every day making sure that our country functions uh, military first responders everybody in those communities many of whom are listening to us right now there will be a best of show tomorrow i promise we have had a few decent segments so far this year and then on friday our friend tudor dixon who is a part of the clay travis buck sexton podcast network will be in also mention this one of the great benefits of uh, both buck and i being able to do the show is I believe there's only one week all year where you're not going to hear from one or the other of us. That's unprecedented, to my knowledge, on any national radio show anywhere. Uh, The only week we're out is Christmas week. We haven't, between the two of us, missed a day since July 4th. Now, I'm not claiming this is a super difficult job, but we do take it very seriously, and we want to be with you every single day because we think the things that we are talking about are very important. And I want to take a moment here to talk about Thanksgiving because I know Rush did this often on his show. And um, I also think a lot of times Thanksgiving gets lost now in the shuffle between Halloween, which every year seems to get bigger and bigger, and certainly the Christmas and New Year's holiday. Uh, and as a result, Thanksgiving sometimes gets lost. So I, I just want to kind of talk about this for a moment. Wherever you live, If you are fortunate enough to be an American, I hope that on Thanksgiving, you will take a moment and just contemplate what had to happen for you to have the good fortune to have either been born in America or to have become an American. But in particular, for those of us who were born here, you ever read history surrounding Thanksgiving? How many of you have really thought about this? I heard this and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it's still extraordinary to me. When the pilgrims arrived here, a squirrel on a tree could have walked from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast from one tree to another. You want to talk about how wild this land was. Just think about that for a moment. There were so many trees that a squirrel, i read this, and I believe it to be true, a squirrel could have been on the East Coast and could have walked across the entire United States from tree to tree. And I don't think we talk enough about the ships that these people got on to come here. I want you to think about it for a minute. Um, I just finished reading a great book about Magellan. These ships were
5: tiny.
2: And whatever risks you are taking in your life, I want you to think about what it would have been like to get on a ship in Europe and make the decision that you were going to leave behind everyone that you had ever known, and every land that you had ever known, and probably that you would never see those people for the rest of your life, and that there was a tremendous risk that something awful might happen to you on that trip to the United States. And by the way, this is true. No matter what your ethnicity is, As Thomas Sowell has pointed out in many of his books, while this country focuses on the legacy of slavery, almost to the exclusion of everything else that happens historically, every single person who is of African descent that lives in the United States today is far better off than they would have been if they had never come to the United States at all. It's a stat that doesn't get a lot of attention, You know, the poorest Americans, the absolute poorest people in the United States of America today would be in the 20% wealthiest if they lived in India right now. Our poor people, even if you feel like you don't have a lot to be thankful for, our poor people would be the wealthiest people in some of the biggest countries in the world. Our poorest person, would be in the top 20% wealthiest in all of India. Think about the risk that was involved making the decision to come to this new land, a place that was truly wild, sparsely inhabited, and where you were likely to never see any of your friends and family ever again if you were fortunate enough to make it on the perilous journey to these shores. One of the things that I worry about the most as I think now, as I've moved into middle age and I've now got three kids of my own, I'm thinking about the world as it may exist after I'm gone. Presuming I've got a couple of generations left, I'd like to think. What are we teaching our kids? And... How much safetyism and lack of risk taking are we trying to embed in their lives? One of the things that that troubles me the most about young people today is very much they're coddled and they lack the ability to take risk. This is a country of boundless opportunity because of the risk takers because of the people who've been willing to put their lives on the line. Study American history as we have this Thanksgiving holiday and look at all the things that the people who came before you were willing to risk and ask yourself what you're risking. It seems to me that America today has a national epidemic of cowardice. Your ancestors were willing to risk their lives to come to this country, and a lot of you and a lot of your grandkids aren't even willing to post what they actually think on social media. Worse than that, they call people they disagree with Nazis We have moved in the space of a few generations from a country that fought actual Nazis to a place where the great-grandchildren of the people who killed and beat and preserved freedom for the world by defeating the Nazis now think that they are heroic and courageous because they call people they disagree with Nazis. I just played it for you. You're questioning it. Claire McCaskill on MSNBC, you see it every day happen Even in the wake of October 7th, when we had the most deadly day in the history of the Jewish people since the Holocaust, people are still running around calling Trump a Nazi. And I tie all this together on Thanksgiving. Yes, we have a tremendous amount to be thankful for. But what are you conserving by taking real risks for your country? What are you putting on the line on a daily basis? What are you actually risking compared to the people who made this country great? It's something that I think we need to have a real national discussion about, and I hope it's something that you will think about when you sit down to celebrate Thanksgiving with your friends and family and recognize the immense and bountiful gratitude that we all should share for being Americans, how much of that is part of our national discourse right now? I'm not super old. I like to think I'm not super old. I'm middle aged now, I'm 44. I don't remember in the 1970s and the 1980s and the 1990s and the 2000s. I don't remember people hating America. I don't think it existed in my life. And a lot of people now are focused on what's going on on college campuses. But I think that's a failure of the adults. We've allowed kids to be so coddled that they don't even understand what evil is been thinking about this a lot, and I think this is an important conversation to have with so many of your families for Thanksgiving. Kids only know what they are taught. If you have convinced a generation of kids that people who have different opinions than them are evil, what scares me is not only are they coddled and averse to risk, they aren't able to see actual evil when it truly exists. I can't think of anything that has occurred that is more evil than October 7th in recent history. Jewish people, just like in the 1930s, were murdered explicitly for being Jewish. And many people cheered it. And a lot of people on college campuses did. What does it say about us that our most highly educated in terms of schooling are the least able to recognize true evil? I think it's ominous. Because remember, without people willing to speak the truth and without an absence of cowardice, many people are sheep. If you look at what happened with COVID, how many people just went along rather than get acknowledged for not being willing to go along? This is the country, more so than any other, filled with the DNA of people who said, I'm not just going to go along. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to get on that ship. I'm going to get on that horse. I'm going to get in that covered wagon. I'm going to travel across the horizon to something better, something that I can't even see. This entire country was founded on the leap of faith, on the idea that tomorrow could be better, on the willingness to take that risk, on the incredible hopes, dreams, and aspirations upon which this country was founded. What does it say on this Thanksgiving when we all have an immense amount to be thankful for that some of the youngest and best educated in this country are unable to recognize both the history of this country, which is proud and upstanding and greater than I believe truly the history of any country in the history of the world. They believe actually the legacy of America is one that is awful and reprehensible and evil. And as a result, they're willing to support actual evil. It's our fault. We have coddled their minds to such an extent that we have convinced them that words are violence and microaggressions are unacceptable. And as a result, their brains are stilted, unchallenged, and unable to confront the reality of evil. So I hope that all of you out there will be willing to have this conversation with your kids and grandkids and may get a little uncomfortable. I don't care. It's past time for being nice. At some point, you have to confront evil and be willing to have conversations with people who can't see it. Maybe they get a little bit upset with you. Maybe they say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, you don't know what you're talking about. I would submit that if you have lived in this country very long at all, you know a lot more about what you're talking about than anybody who's a college-age kid or a high school kid that's trying to defend Hamas's murder of over a 1,000 innocent Jewish people based entirely on their faith. So I hope those are conversations that you'll have, but I hope you'll contextualize them in the larger historical resonance of what is, I think, the fabric of the greatest country that's ever existed in the history of the world and one that must continue to embrace risk-taking, to embrace uh, actual courage and physical valor. Because I don't know that we've ever valued it less than I'm seeing valued right now. Take some of your calls, allow you to react to a variety of different subjects. Again, Chris Christie is going to be with us at the top of the next hour. Uh, in the meantime, look, you know one of the reasons we had so much success in this country, testosterone. Believe it or not, men actually are kind of important. And men with a lot of vim, vigor, and vitality are actually important. You know, your great-grandfather who beat the Nazis, he had about 50% more testosterone in his body than the average American does today. That seems ominous to me. Uh, also, Biden-White House, not sure we've had less testosterone in any administration in our life. I don't think it's a coincidence we got war in the Middle East, and we've also got war in Europe. Weak men make bad times. Joe Biden's a weak man. Are you feeling weak? Would you like to feel a little bit stronger? How about get some testosterone back in your life by going to Chalk? C-H-O-Q slash Clay is the website. My guy, Seaton, he's built a great all-natural supplement. You take it for three months, your testosterone level will increase 20%. Again, it's all-natural. It'll give you the energy, the vim, the vigor, the vitality to take on the day. What do you have to lose? Why not check it out, especially when you're getting 35% off from all subscriptions just by going right now. To chok.com slash clay. Again, that is chalk.com. CHOQ.com slash clay. 35% off every subscription for life. Let's put some testosterone back in your life today
6: with chalk. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton making sense in an insane world. <laughs>
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time
0: with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny.
2: Back in hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show, breaking news for all of you. And I'm assuming Governor Chris Christie, who is joining us right now, has heard this as well. Uh, The uh, FBI has put out a statement in Buffalo that they are investigating an explosion at Rainbow Bridge, one of the crossing points from Canada into New York State. I've got audio that I'm going to play for you that has just aired on Fox News. Alexis McAdams, who is at Fox News, says, High-level police sources tell me this is an attempted terror attack. Sources say the car was full of explosives and both men inside are dead. Uh, this is what just aired on Fox News. I'll let you react to it here momentarily, Governor Christie, because this is all just breaking news. We're just becoming aware of it. Listen.
1: Uh, Alexis McAdams is reporting that that according to high level police sources, the explosion was an attempted terrorist attack. A lot of explosives in the vehicle at the time. The two people who were in the car are deceased. One border patrol officer was injured driving from the U.S. apparently to Canada and we're trying to drive toward the CBP building. So all bridges in the area have been closed all government buildings in the area have been evacuated.
2: All right, let me read the statement from the FBI. The FBI Buffalo Field Office is investigating a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge, a border crossing between the U.S. and Canada in Niagara Falls. The FBI is coordinating with our local, state, and federal law enforcement partners in this investigation. As this situation is very fluid, that's all we can say at this time. That is the FBI statement on this explosion in Buffalo on, many of you will be familiar with this, the uh, Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls. Uh, And remember, this comes on the heels of Kathy Hochul and other New Yorkers telling New York that they had uh, evidence out there that there may be a terror attack and to be on the lookout for this. We bring in now uh, Governor Chris Christie, who prosecuted, uh, some of the cases relating to nine eleven, former United States attorney uh, who has dealt with terrorism-related charges. I know you're just hearing about this right now, as we all are as well. What, in your experience, is going on right now, and what should everybody out there listening to us right now, certainly those in Buffalo and the state of New York in particular, be aware of in your mind at this point in time?
1: Well, guys, first off, I think what the FBI is doing is dispatching their people who can deal with forensic evidence at the scene. Um, that vehicle, everything that's in it, the type of explosives that were used, the type of detonator that was used, um, and any other information that might be on the two um, dead terrorists or alleged terrorists now inside that vehicle, um, is everything the forensic folks are going to be working out with the FBI. Second, the FBI is going to be, Uh, looking at all the information they have from their joint terrorism task forces around the country that work with the U.S. attorney's offices and local law enforcement to see if there are any dots that can be connected there. Uh, They're also going to be talking to our intelligence uh, community um, that works this portion of our country and Canada to see what they're getting there. Um, And that'll be where they'll start. And, you know, look, this should not be surprising to any of us. And this is why, America, in my view, guys, has to be engaged in the world. We are not on an island here. And when things happen in other parts of the world, there is going to be an impact here in the U.S. potentially. We have to be prepared to deal with it. And we need to be engaged with the rest of the world to try to lessen that threat by showing strength around the world. And the weakness that Joe Biden has been showing is a problem. And it's going to be a problem that's going to continue to create more conflict, not less. Strength lessens conflict, weakness increases it.
2: We're talking to Governor Chris Christie. Uh, So obviously we're going to continue to monitor this situation in Buffalo. Any updates staff will hit me with almost in uh, in real time. So we'll continue to update you on this in the the final hour of the show as we head into Thanksgiving. Uh, But you just mentioned the campaign, the situation that's going on there. Uh, I looked at uh, national polling coming out basically – uh, this morning, this is the National Republican primary from Emerson. I'm sure you've seen it. It has you at 3% uh, overall, Trump at 64%, Haley at 9%, uh, DeSantis at 8 Ramaswamy at 5%. Uh, if, you, if, if you believe that's accurate, do you think you're around 3% nation uh, nationwide right now?
1: No, I, I don't think it's accurate. And by the way, I don't think it matters. Uh, we don't have a national primary status. If we had national primary, then this would be over. We have a primary that goes state by state by state. And if you look at those numbers, Donald Trump is 25 to 30 points lower than what he is in the national polls. And in New Hampshire, I'm 14 points higher than what it has to be in the national polls. And those elections in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina are going to happen uh, well before anything else. And the results there will impact um, what people think around the country.
2: Okay, so Iowa, New Hampshire, January, February, you are doing well in some of those New Hampshire state polls. It's clear you don't want Donald Trump to be president of the United States. Um, if you do not win in Iowa, New Hampshire, would you then drop out of the race and endorse someone other than Trump? Is that the natural progression? Is it fair to say you need to win in Iowa, New Hampshire, or come in a very close second at minimum?
1: Look, I think I need to do well in New Hampshire. Um, That's what I need to do, and that's what I intend to do. Um, And then we'll evaluate the campaign thereafter. But if I do well in New Hampshire, which I expect to do, I'm going to be in this thing for the long haul.
2: If Trump's the nominee, will you vote for him?
1: You know, guys, uh, I don't think Trump's going to be the nominee, so um, I don't think we need to worry about that. I think Trump is not going to be the nominee. But what I've said, and I said this in the first debate, uh, if Donald Trump's convicted of felonies, I could not support a convicted felon for president.
2: So who would you vote for? Uh, I mean, I mean, just honestly, because I understand you can say, well, that's a hypothetical. I'm not, but really, the entire presidential campaign is a hypothetical. You say, if I'm elected, I'm going to do X or I'm going to do Y. Right now, if you look at the markets, uh, you know, just gambling markets, uh, look at the polls, whatever else, Trump would be favored to be the nominee. So if it's Trump versus Biden, would you vote for Biden? Would you not show up and vote? What would your decision be?
1: No, I I, look, I could not vote for Joe Biden. I don't believe Joe Biden is either mentally or philosophically competent um, to remain in the presidency. Um, So I could not vote for Joe Biden. And I'd have to see what my options were at the time. But fellas, in the end, what we're talking about here are all hypotheticals, because at this point, uh, you know, eight years ago Jeb Bush was winning New Hampshire And Ben Carson was winning Iowa by 10 points So I'm sorry You know, I just am not going to get involved In talking about what polling looks like today You know, those poll questions are saying If the election were held today Well, if the election were held today, I would be shocked Because it's not being held today So I'm about talking about what matters to this country And matters to its citizens And I guarantee you, polling isn't one of those things
2: Um, Understood Uh, You also are running against not only Donald Trump, but also Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. Are any of those three people in your mind qualified to be president of the United States?
1: Look, I think both Nikki and Ron are qualified to be president.
2: You didn't mention Vivek. Why do you think he's not? Those are the, you know, you guys are the top five candidates at this point in time. So you think Nikki and DeSantis both qualify to be president Not Trump, not Vivek. What is it about Vivek that you don't think fits the bill?
1: I just don't think he's a serious candidate. I don't think he's someone who has the type of experience, the type of temperament, um, nor the type of platform that should be taken seriously as a presidential candidate.
3: All
2: right. Let's let's say that you think DeSantis and Nikki Haley are both qualified to be president. I imagine that they would probably say the same about you. I'll ask them the next time they're on uh, the show. If you had to choose between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis right now as the most qualified, which of those two is? (laughs) I think they pretty much have equal qualifications. Oh, that's a great answer. You know, you're a sports guy, uh, Governor, and that is like me asking you. That's like me saying to you, okay, Patrick Mahomes or I don't know, uh, we could pick, let's say, if Joe Burrow wasn't injured, which is a better quarterback if you have to win a game and you say, oh, I think it's a dead heat. I don't think I could pick. Or if I said, hey, you, I, I don't know how much of a college football you fan you are. Big but if I – uh, All right, so Michigan and Ohio State are playing this weekend, right? Hugest game uh, going on in college football. If, who's going to win? I think Ohio State's going to win. All right, you didn't say to me, I think it's dead even. I think it's 50-50. No, but, but I do
1: think that on a qualifications basis, if you look at their background and experience – that Ron and Nikki are essentially the same from experience perspective. They're both two-term governors uh, of important states. Um, they've had some other backgrounds: Ron in Congress, Nikki in the state legislature. Before that, I, I think from an experience perspective, um, qualifications perspective, um, they're they're essentially even in that regard. I mean, if I you do an honest answer, yeah, no, I... it's a,
2: conveni- it's a convenient, it's a convenient honest I... opinion. Uh... If you believe, and I think you do, that Trump shouldn't be the nominee, and I think certainly DeSantis and Nikki Haley would agree with that, too, at what point does there need to be a consensus alternative in your mind to Donald Trump, whether it's you, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, or maybe even Vivek? What's the time frame look like?
1: I think it's, it's, it's going to happen um, after the first four primaries, after the early primaries. So Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada... Um, I think after those, you probably be down to to no more than three candidates, including Donald Trump, and maybe two. Um, I just think that's going to kind of be the natural way it will go here, given the way that the calendar plays out. Um, And let's face it, guys, the consolidation in this race has been significantly better than any time this century when we didn't have an incumbent. You know, at this time, eight years ago in 2015, we had 13 candidates still in the race at this point. In 2011, we had eight candidates still in the race. And in 2007, we had nine candidates still in the race. So this thing has consolidated very quickly, very well. Um, you know, I'm in the last five. Uh, this is the smallest the field's been um, really since since the turn of the century in 2000. So um, I think it's consolidated well. I think you have, uh, you know, very serious people um, that are available to be voted for here. I think I'm the best and most experienced person, but the voters are going to decide ultimately who our nominee is. But I'm in for the fight, as I have been. And I think, you know, if people had been, uh, if I'd been listening to the oddsmakers, you know, six months ago, I would have never gotten in the race. And certainly they would have never thought that I would have been here six months later. But here I am.
2: Are you going to be on the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, speaking of college football, uh, the fourth Republican debate? Have you qualified?
1: Yes, sir. Already qualified. We've already passed the 80,000 donors. And we have uh, two national polls at 6% or over. And we have, obviously, a number of polls in New Hampshire that have us in the teams.
2: Dallas Cowboys play tomorrow. Um, They are playing against the Washington Commanders. They'll always be the Redskins in my mind, so I sometimes mix up the names still. Yeah, you You too. too. All right. Uh, Are the Cowboys, in your mind, a legitimate... Super Bowl contender this year and what happens tomorrow.
1: They are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The the NFC, you know, has really four teams that I think are legitimate contenders. Right? The Eagles are a legitimate contender, the 49ers are a legitimate contender, and and I think that the uh, the Detroit Lions are actually a legitimate contender the way they're playing this year. Uh, I agree tomorrow, with
2: all of that, by the way. I agree with your analysis of the NFC right now. I agree with all that. Okay, so Cowboys but, happen to – yeah, they're a contender. What it, happens tomorrow?
1: It, Cowboys Cowboys win comfortably tomorrow. I'd say Cowboys win by 17 to 21 points tomorrow. It will be a, another good performance for the Cowboys, and they're going to be getting ready for two big games coming up uh, after this. The Seahawks, uh, who are a good team, Uh, and then uh, Philadelphia will be coming to Dallas, and that'll be a big game.
2: Good team in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think Travis Kelsey's performance on the field is being negatively impacted by his relationship with Taylor Swift?
1: No, I think it's probably positively being impacted. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've never seen seen a guy happier in his entire career, so (laughs) I think he's probably doing really well. I think what affected him on Monday night was the Eagles were triple-teaming him, um, and nobody else on the Chiefs can catch a pass. I mean, for God's sakes, me, and you, uh, and everybody else could have caught that pass that uh, Valdez Scantling dropped know. in the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I could have caught that. I, would, I couldn't have gotten that open. But if I was that open, I guarantee <laughs> I would have caught it.
2: Last question for you, Governor. Uh, we're talking to Chris Christie right now uh, on the eve of Thanksgiving. 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Um, do you think that Lee Harvey Oswald fired every shot and that JFK was killed solely by Lee Harvey Oswald in terms of shots fired on that day in Dallas?
1: No, I don't, and I never have.
2: What do you think happened?
1: It was clearly a conspiracy. I don't know amongst whom, but there's no doubt in my mind that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone. And when, when Oswald yelled out, I'm a patsy, yeah. Um, when he was being arrested uh, i think he was giving us a signal and i believe jack ruby was part of the conspiracy and i think they killed oswald to keep him quiet
2: i agree with everything you just said i, I do on the on the i should say on the on the jfk 60-year anniversary uh analysis yeah, don't get
1: yourself in trouble now
2: i know i know there's no telling what people are going <laughs> to say but i take that there uh all right governor enjoy the games tomorrow we'll talk to you again soon and uh, i'll maybe see you down in tuscaloosa
1: Thanks for having me on today. Happy Thanksgiving to you
2: and your family. Same to you and yours. Uh, that is Governor Chris Christie, uh, who will be on the stage, he says, in December down on the fourth Republican debate. We'll take your calls uh 800-282-2882. I want to circle back around the call that we got about uh, Margaret potentially having a child out of wedlock. A lot of reaction to that. Um, is Margaret called staff? Have we gotten a call from Margaret yet? The ladies in the church uh, group were not expecting to hear Margaret's out of wedlock uh, JFK story. Uh, people save money in different ways. Me and my family, we find deals at stores like Costco, Old Navy. Who needs luggage when you can just jump in Old Navy, next vacation destination? Other people like saving money in thrift stores. Now there's a way to save money at gas stations when you fill up or at restaurants like Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Starbucks, Jersey Mike's, so many others. You can get cash back when you make your purchases using an app called Upside. Upside partners with thousands of gas stations nationwide, as well as those restaurant chains and hundreds of supermarkets. You might even get 5% back or 10% or even 13% off with your cash going back into your Upside account. Here's how you do it. Download the Upside app. Sign up. It's free. Every time you're buying gas, dining out, going to the supermarket, open the app, see all the places close to you, and get your cash back. Upside, easy to use. You create account less than a minute use our names clay and buck as the promo code get an extra 25 cents off each gallon of gas on your first tank fill up when you do type in clay and buck as one word no spaces between the words that's clay and buck on the upside
6: app today Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth